Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at Home. In fact, I encourage you to do a couple things. Maybe you just need a refill of some coffee uh, this morning to get you up. But you can also download our message notes from our website, along with the kids' activity sheet. If you're catching up later throughout the week, you can actually hit pause. That's a great feature about this. You can download those notes as well. I encourage you to follow along. You can actually go back several weeks and follow along in our messages, especially this time as we're coming together to remember Jesus in a time of uh, this Christmas season that we celebrate. You know, my title today is Joseph, Jesus is Coming Soon. Last week, in fact, I'll read a verse. Last week, when we started this whole series off, Jesus is Coming Soon, John's gospel reminds us of something, that Jesus came, but the people didn't know that he had come, and the people didn't receive him. But one of the things John lets us know that Jesus moved in right with us, God with us, Emmanuel. And Jesus came to seek and to save those who who were lost. In fact, he came not to change us, but he came to transform us. But then all through the gospel, in fact, even Jesus's words, Jesus, we know this, Jesus is coming soon. So we don't celebrate the birth of baby Jesus. We know that Jesus was born that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and that he is coming again. But I want to look at this through the eyes of Joseph today in the Bible. In fact, let me start with the verse we read last week in John chapter 1, verse 14. And it says this, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. While Matthew and Luke record for us what we call the the Christmas story, which really is the birth of Jesus, John really picks up and kind of gives us this example. He kind of like is echoing Genesis when he says that the word became flesh. That was John's introduction to us of the birth of Jesus, the word of God becoming flesh, born to live among us. And one of an exciting thing as we read through this Christmas story of just the great anticipation, the excitement of the shepherds. And, you know, it reminds me of when my, both of my children were younger and we specifically got them a, a, a gift or two of what they really, really wanted. And there's nothing like Christmas morning and they're opening that gift and their expression on their face, which is priceless, which I know we have some pictures somewhere. And they're, it's almost like they're just frozen in time with this, ah, oh. and, and they hold that pose for several moments and you capture that in your memory. You know what's great about this is that the joy of our Heavenly Father was in giving Jesus to us, knowing that he could receive back 
that relationship restored. You know, the greatest part of Christmas isn't receiving. The greatest part of Christmas is giving, that anticipation of somebody opening the gift that you got them specifically because you were thinking of them. You know, we relate that to God, the the gift of Christmas, him expressing what he was talking about uh, through all of the prophets and through the Old Testament, that there would be one coming. And as we read about it today, we read about this Jesus, but we look at it through the eyes of, of Joseph. You know, on the surface, it would seem that the political reasons determined where Jesus was born. But the ultimate determination or the ultimate cause was the God that controls the events of history, and he guaranteed that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem just like it was prophesied in Micah. In fact, I want to read that verse to us today. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and it says, But you... Bethlehem, Ephrath, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So it wasn't a, a political uh, event, a census, that every this just happened to be the right time. No, this was something prophesied. And God would use these events, and he foreknew these events so that at this time, at this place, his son would be born in Bethlehem. And as we mentioned last week, this small town, supposedly of normally about 300 or so, would swell up to over a 1,000 people because of this census, and all for this opportunity for Jesus to be born. You know, as... Jesus's earthly father. Joseph was a very important person in Matthew's gospel because Joseph is linked in that line, that bloodline back to King David, and the Messiah had to be connected back to King David. So Matthew naturally opens up his gospel dealing with the genealogy that shows us how this one verse is summarized. In fact, Matthew chapter one, verse one, Matthew kicks it off this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of Abraham. You know, you can read through that and you can read about all the people that were linked together, but Matthew opens it with the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. In fact, I want to read a a few verses in Matthew chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 2. It would also be beneficial for you to go in Luke's gospel as well, and you can uh, read ahead of time uh, a little bit of what's taking place before we just are pressed into the scene of Joseph, and Joseph hearing the report of Mary and Joseph being troubled on his own on exactly what to do. And so let let me read this in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary 
was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. And he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's take a minute and let's pray today and let's go through uh, some of these parts, really through the eyes of Joseph. But we're not just looking at Joseph. We're looking at these scriptures about what it talks to us and speaks to us today. So, so Father, we, we stop today. We thank you for your words. We thank you for these examples that were written down. Though we read today by Matthew, we know that it was by the Holy Spirit for us. So as we look in this today, it's actually looking in us. And Father, as you lead and you guide our lives, let us learn the examples so that we're following the voice of the Holy Spirit. We bless you today. Thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, the Bible starts right off here. In fact, it lets us know that Mary and Joseph were betrothed. To many people, they've heard uh, of this before, but for many people, it's the first time we don't use the word betrothal. In fact, when it's used sometimes, it's used as an example of an engagement, but it's it's much more deeper than an engagement. Really, the betrothal was a 12-month period of time where basically Mary and Joseph had come together. Many times vows were already exchanged, and it was as if they were married, and yet during that 12-month period of time, there was no intimate sexual contact between the two. And this was how they did it. So when uh, Joseph hears this about Mary, and Mary is a virgin, and she's now a child of the Holy Spirit, this becomes shocking to him. In fact, and I encourage you to do this, as I mentioned before, if you go to Luke's gospel, you'll actually read about um, that uh, Elizabeth, who is the cousin of Mary, is pregnant with child. That's going to be John the Baptist. Well, Mary has her own experience with the angel Gabriel. 
But what's very powerful uh, when you read about Mary, we'll look at Mary next week, is the words that she says. And yet out of the words that she says, uh, she begins to sing a song. In fact, we read that in, in uh, the book of Luke. She's actually magnifying God for choosing her and using her. Well, it's the exact opposite with Joseph. Joseph, like many of us, Joseph is internalizing the message that he heard. And it wasn't so much that she's pregnant with child, which was probably upsetting to him and trying to figure this out. The Bible lets us know that he's thinking about how to put her away secretly. You know, the Old Testament lets us know in the scripture that uh, in a situation like this where Mary would have been found to be pregnant, there was a great opportunity that she could have been publicly stoned, killed in front of everyone as an example. But Joseph probably had a few other thoughts. He could hide her away for a period of time. He could put her somewhere. The concern was the shame and the ridicule. I mean, this this was a betrothal. You know, for, for us, it's totally different because people get engaged and people break up the engagement. And they get engaged to somebody else and somebody else gets engaged. You know, and I, I guarantee you on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Day, on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Day, there are going to be people that get engaged. And there are quite possibly sometime throughout the year 2021 that that ring's going to be taken off and given back to the person or what happens, right? They're going to keep the ring, right? They're not going to give back the ring, but that's going to happen. Well, that's not how the Bible example was. Vows had been possibly exchanged. This was a committed thing. And Joseph, as we read in the Bible, he's troubled. You know, many times when we get information like this, uh, when we use that word troubled or thinking about it, we begin to process internally how to deal with this. And here's what happens many times, is we are trying to come up with conclusions in our own thought of how to deal with this, rather than what's going to happen here is God's going to get a hold of Joseph in a dream. And here's what God needs to do. Many times God needs to get a hold of us and shut down those thoughts that we have and how we're kind of trying to process this. That's why we settle ourselves down to listen to what God says. In fact, when we read this, uh, it says in verse 20 that in a dream, God spoke to him and said, Joseph, son of David, here's the first thing. Do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife for that which is conceived in hers of the Holy Spirit. You know, so when we, when we look at Joseph here, in fact, um, it's interesting, regardless of the situation that's taking place, this seems like it's a mess. How is all of this going to work out? Joseph doesn't even probably know any of those past verses yet. He's told what to name this child. He doesn't know a census is coming. It just looks like it's a mess. I think it's important for all of us too, regardless of a situation that you might be in, and you might call it, I'm in a mess. Don't look at the situation. Notice that even in this situation that God has a plan. Can I encourage all of us with that today? God has a plan. He's going to start working this out. 
I don't need to go back and have all of these thoughts that are discouraging. I need to remain focused on what he's about to do. And what's interesting is, is it's almost like God allows Joseph to really be shocked for a period of time before he explains it to him in a dream. And I think part of that is our growth process. You know, you would have wondered that as Mary heard about what was happening, that Joseph was taking a little 20-minute power nap. And in that moment of time that they could have also said, hey, an angel appeared to you, but an angel spoke to me in a dream. Well, it didn't seem to happen that way. It seemed like that Joseph had a period of time that he was dealing with this shock before it was explained to him. And that's called growth. Don't allow a situation to become a shock to you where it discourages you. Allow it to become an opportunity of growth because you're going to search out the matter in the good book, in the Bible. You're going to search out how God did it. It's interesting, too, that probably um, up until now, this is Joseph under the most extreme pressure that he's ever faced in his life because it doesn't have to do just with him. It has to do with Mary. It has to do with extended families. It has to do with uh, Bible law at that time. So everything may have looked like it was crashing down upon Joseph, but very shortly it was going to be shown to Joseph that everything was about to begin, and it was going to be a time of awakening from him. What I love about Joseph and what I think we all need to realize is when Joseph woke up from the, the dream, he did exactly as the Lord told him to do. He took Mary as his betrothed. He continued on with the process. He followed up later by not naming this child Joseph Jr., but naming him what he was told to name him, Jesus. And Joseph, after this dream, Joseph now would by faith care for Mary. He didn't know how it was all going to work out. He didn't know every little detail that we get a chance to look in and read. He had to, by faith, take care of Mary and trust that if he had this dream that God was orchestrating it, that if God sent an angel to Mary, that God was orchestrating every single event, but Joseph was quick to obey. Let this be an encouragement to all of us, that Joseph was quick to obey when he had that dream. You know, when I, when I read about Joseph's life, I always remember this. In fact, there was a specific call on Joseph, but remember, Joseph his livelihood was a carpenter, and he obviously passed those traits on to Jesus as well, too. But Joseph had a call on his life. And when we read a little bit about the scriptures, the call on his life always leads us to faith in our God. This call on his life would have to do with having dreams, and in these dreams, it would be the protection of Jesus, God's son. Because later after Jesus is 12, we don't get another picture of Joseph at all at the Bible. In fact, uh, most times when we read the scripture, most Bible scholars would probably agree that when Jesus was crucified 
And on the cross, he saw his mother Mary, and he made sure that Mary was taken care of because he asked John, who was one of the apostles, to take care of Mary, which gives us an example that probably Joseph died somewhere in Jesus's life sometime after 12 and up until that 30-some years of age when he started ministry. But Joseph, by faith, cared for Mary, and Joseph followed the call of God on his life, even when it led him with some pretty crazy dreams. In fact, I want to pick up one more here, and this is in Matthew chapter 2, and this is in verse 13. Now, remember the events that have just taken place. Jesus was born. In fact, uh, they've gone from uh, not finding a place, uh, not finding an inn, not play, finding a place to stay, being in an animal shelter area with Jesus, being wrapped in swaddling clothes, pe- placed in a manger, which is an animal feeding trough. And all of a sudden, whether it was a knock on a door or a gate swinging open, shepherds are coming in and they want to see this child, and they're probably relating, as we read in the Bible, the story of these angels that have been singing and told them to come look for them. And, but one of the things that we know and we read about is probably now they've moved into a home, and all of a sudden these wise men show up and they present gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bow and they worship Jesus. And you talk about a pretty amazing birth story of Jesus, kind of exciting. And then here's what we read in verse 13. Now, when they had departed, talking about the wise men, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And he was there until the death of Herod. Now listen to this, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, out of Egypt, I called my son. Joseph, I mean, think about it. You've had some amazing time here. We know that Jesus is uh, either um, at close to two years of age or under the year of two because Herod's mandate is for all uh, boys to be killed under the age of two. So he's aroused in this dream and he's to take his family, he's to flee to Egypt to protect Jesus. While in Egypt, and you can read it later in verses 19 to 23, He's again in a dream given the direction to now go back, but then in another dream, it tells him to go and settle in Nazareth, which again is prophetic, and you'll read it in the scripture because he was called the Nazarene. Do you see that God was orchestrating all of these events, whether it was through political times whether it was through censuses, whether it through cities, whether it through prophets, whether it was dreams or sending angels or direction, God orchestrated all of these events. And here's what I think is so important, because God is always active. He's always moving. He is fulfilling those promises that he has said in his Bible. Yet we're to be like Joseph. We're to, by faith, 
do the things that he asks us to do. We're to be like Joseph and be quick to obey. And we're to, by faith, fulfill the call of God that is upon our lives because God said so. He's orchestrating those things. You know, and we can learn so much by studying Joseph, how he responds, being sensitive in those dreams. Let me tell you, I've had dreams before that I know weren't of the Lord. It was from whatever spicy thing I had eaten from the night before, and you all know what I'm talking about. But Joseph centered in on the things that God spoke to him, and he was quick to obey. Yet this passage is not about Joseph. This passage is about Jesus, the one that came to make us right with God, to reconcile all things. The one that would come that was told that he would save his people from his sins. The one that we read about that would come to seek and save the lost. The one that would come, the deliverer, the Messiah. The one that would come and be born and walk along us to show us his father. I love where Jesus said, I only say and I only do what I see and I hear the Father doing. He was that representative of the Father to us. It's not about Joseph, though we read about and we we learn some things about him. It's not about Mary. It's about Jesus and the transformation that he's doing in our lives, even if he's just starting on you today. You know, each week as we get an opportunity, we want to give people an opportunity to accept Jesus as their personal Savior. The reason that he came, right? That's where we start, number one. So if you've never prayed that prayer before, or if you've been running from God, this is that opportunity for you to run to God. In fact, we read it in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that really it becomes a prayer from our heart. We are to believe it in our heart. We're to confess it with our mouth. And the Bible says that we would be saved. In fact, would you pray this prayer along with me? And would you mean this with everything that you have in your heart? Dear God, I believe that Jesus lived and died and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I begin my relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In fact, if you prayed that for the very, very first time or Boy, you prayed that today to come back to God. We would love it if you would reach out to us. You can do it by email, info at hillschurcharcadia.org. You can go to our website and just fill out the contact information or reply back to us even now by the social media that you're watching today. In fact, for, for everyone else that's watching, we need to remember this. Every day we read, our Bible says that he is new every morning. So however you're spending today, know that God is at work in your life. He's new every morning. 
And I, I wanna, before we close this, remember the very last words of Jesus in Revelation chapter 22, verse 20. He says, surely I am coming quickly. Jesus is coming soon. You know, as we receive our tithes and our offerings today, we wanna thank you for uh, your support, but it's not so much to give you thanks, it's to say that God will command the blessing upon you. I wanna read this one verse, Proverbs, or actually two verses, Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and 10, and it says this. In fact, you can read it with me on the screen. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all of your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know, I don't really think that there's many of us that have a barn or a vat of wine, but yet when this was mentioned in Proverbs about honoring the Lord with your possessions, to that farmer to understand that the barns would be full, full of everything to feed the animals, full of everything to feed the family, and the vats full of new wine. It was noted that it was an abundance that because of honoring the Lord with your possessions and the first fruits of your increase. So as we do each week, and as we pray along, there's a prayer on the screen. I encourage you to pray that along with me, and let's do it as we've been saying, let's do it by faith, knowing that God is orchestrating all things. He is protecting you. He is looking out after you. He is your shield. Regardless of what's happening on the right hand or the left hand, he is blessing and taking care of the things that concern you because you're in covenant with him. Let's pray this together. As I give in today's offering, I receive all that the Lord will open to me of his good treasure so that I can be generous on all occasions as the Spirit leads me. I choose to honor the Lord today in my offering. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving online, it's probably one of the easier ways to do it. You can go to our website. You can click on the top uh, right corner on the Give button it's safe, it's fast, it's secure. If you want to give by mail, you can mail us the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And again, we bless you for your uh, support of the ministry. Hey, and before we go, I want to read Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2 over all of us. In fact, and you can say it with me, I look to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord bless you today. And I pray that this week that you come before him in faith, following his, his words and watch how he takes those crooked places and makes them straight. We bless you. Have a great week.